Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness in our life. I thank you for Jesus Christ, what he means to us. I thank you for the freedom that we have ultimately in you, but also the freedoms we have in living in this nation and, uh, and uh, the rights and the things that we have. I pray that this study, the, the next few weeks, uh, would help us to uh, put together the things we see currently in our world and our nation and how we put that congruently with your word and how we might live as your children uh, in this world that seems to be turning further and further away from you. May we as Christ followers not be surprised by that, but know that you are sovereign. Your plan is being worked out according to your will. And one day you will return and make all things right. Until then, may we be faithful to you and may we be and take courage and have be people of conviction that live according to your word. And we'll give you all the glory for that. Bless our time tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When Jesus, uh, someone asked me just tonight, like, what is the study? I'm like, well, it's about being lost. And if you're lost, where do we go from here? No, that's not what the study is. Uh, I will not take full credit for what we're going to talk about. It actually comes from a book called Where Do We Go From Here? David Jeremiah. You're welcome to buy the book. I am not covering all the book. But I picked it up off the bookshelf or ordered it. And I think David Jeremiah writes some great, Dr. David Jeremiah writes some great things. But what caught my eye is in the last two years, there's been some really weird stuff that's happened in the world and also in our nation. Some good things, some bad things, some things I don't know. But as you see these things happen, you're like, well, how does that how does that mesh with the Bible? How do I as a Christ follower, how does that fit in with God's plan? How do how should I live? How how should the Bible apply to what I'm seeing? So I like that. So each of these weeks tonight is a fun topic called socialism. Yay. And you're thinking, is Keith Ford or against it? I'm like, yeah, if you have to ask. I'm like, but, uh, yeah, tonight's socialism. Other topics will be like globalism or economic chaos or cancel culture will be one week. So I'm going to pick eight of those things. I'm going to do four in the next four weeks. I'm going to do four. And then the next time I'm up to teach, I'll do the other four. So there you go. That's what it is. Uh, I'll add my two cents on what he says, but I think what David Jeremiah says and how he says it is really, really good. Uh, when Jesus described the events that surrounded his sec- that will surround his second coming, he said this. This is also a topical study, so I'm not going to be in one book of the Bible. We did that for some 50 to 100 weeks. <laughs> we went through every book of the Bible. Uh, there will be a lot of scriptures that I'm going to quote, and if you want to try to do a Bible drill and look them all up, great. Otherwise, just trust me, write down the reference. Luke 17, 26, 27, Jesus said this, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Our pastor just got back from viewing the ark replica in Kentucky and how big it was and all this stuff. Uh, just imagine Noah's time and even the 75 years, 100 years, however long it took him to build that thing, which was massive, by the way. Uh, the other people just, he's saying you need to, he would say, in our, you turn or burn. God's judgment is coming on your evil, on your sin. And the people just kept on doing whatever they did. They were oblivious to God's judgment or that God would bring any judgment on them. But Noah's day was, was not a pretty picture, and God brought his judgment through a flood. Jesus says that when Jesus comes back again, it will be similar to that. And we're living in those days right now. Uh, Noah was described as a preacher of righteousness in Second Peter. He spent years warning people, holy God is going to judge 
and no one listened to him. Uh, Jesus said that the world will be much like that before he returns and sets up his earthly kingdom, which he will do one day. But until that happens, uh, it says, be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Nobody will know the day or time when Jesus Christ will return again. But we do know what it's going to be like, what the world will be like when Christ returns. Uh, Jesus, uh, or, or actually uh, First Peter, First Timothy chapter 3 says this. It describes the world in Noah's day and also our day as well, I would suggest. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. For sure, we live in a day that is closer now to Christ's return because a lot of those characteristics uh, describe the world we live in. In case you're not sure. If you're not sure, just watch the evening news. You will get depressed. Depending, It doesn't really matter which news station you watch, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, whatever news outlet or online thing you want to look at. There's a lot of evil that's happening in our world. America, uh, more closer to home, America has been a nation for some 244 years. Um, right now we're doing the American Constitution class put on by wall builders. I don't know if any of y'all were able to go that, but our country was founded on Christian uh, principles. We were, uh, we're a republic. We have Bill of Rights. We have a Constitution. We have, well, we did until maybe two years ago. We have a Constitution. Uh, and certain rights that should not be uh, affected by governments. In the last two years, we've had a pandemic. Um, I would suggest to you, our elites, our government, is leaning more and more towards socialism. We're going to talk about that tonight. I would suggest, and this is being recorded, so probably whatever they call fact checker or whatever, you know, it'll get, they'll have to research it. I think government overreach is happening or ha- and will continue to happen. Cancel culture is happening. Global wars are happening. Racial tension, for sure, in the last we, a year ago, two years ago. Remember what was happening in the streets of America? Church decline is happening in America. You see a lot of things, and you say, okay, what am I as a Christian supposed to do in that setting? That's why I picked this study. So... As Christians, we are called not to live by lies. We are not to stick our head in the sand, but we're also not to be the person that is just causing a ruckus just to cause a ruckus. We're supposed to represent Christ in how we operate, how we live our lives. Um, This study is going to look at ten issues I think are important. Um, God's people, uh, part of this, and as we look at these current day issues, like, man, that's very depressing. But I like how... Uh, Jeremiah does, okay, these are the facts, this is the trend, this is where we're heading. Then this is what the Bible says about that and how we as Christians should live. Let's start with uh, Venezuela. Venezuela was once the wealthiest nation in South America. Uh, Its per capita income almost rivaled that of the United States and other uh, strong economies. The people enjoyed religious liberty, political freedom, personal dignity, and economic opportunity. Today, however, record numbers of Venezuelan migrants are fleeing northward, many probably at the border right now and crossing or have crossed. 
They are running from anarchy. What caused the drastic chaos in their nation? Well, there was a Marxist president called Hugo Chavez that he decided he was going to implement some social playbook. And uh, after he died, uh, he followed another Marxist successor, Nicolas Maduro. And uh, socialism uh, was, was put in. It was the concept that they put in for their nation, and it brought all of this uh, distress. To define socialism is difficult. You'll hear different words, and I'm going to say different words. I, I'm going to almost use synonyms. They're not exactly the same, and you can debate this all you want. Socialism, Marxism, communism. They're all related. There are probably a little bit of differences in each one. And you can go back and you historians can tell me how I'm wrong and everything, but I'm just going to group it all together as socialism. If you look at uh, Marx and his influence throughout history, I'm not a huge history guy, but uh, any time socialism was brought into a nation, it was the beginning of the end for that nation. Economically, uh, it, it promotes this idea that the poor and everything will be equal, but there's never true equality. There's always elites that are getting richer, and the poor are getting poor. Socialism is a broad concept. And the scary part is if you, and they did, there was a survey, YouGov did a survey of Americans aged 16 to 29. And uh, in that survey, it said that 44% of them supported socialism in America. 44% of that generation supported socialism. There is a movement in America, and you're going to see some of the, we're going to talk about some of the characteristics of socialism. Some of those things are happening right now in America. And on the and I'm trying not to be political, but you can see it. It's, it's for sure happening. Socialism is a great platform. It seems like it's, man, it's so ideal, it's going to make everything great, and yet there's throughout history and throughout nations that have implemented it, uh, it's not good. It's China, it's Cuba, it's Venezuela. Uh, Russia, these are the places it's happening. Um, socialists, the agenda of socialism or Marxism is distressing to anyone who has studied it uh, throughout history. Second Timothy 3.1 says this, but understand this, that in the last days, dangerous times will come. Difficult days that will be hard to bear are going to come. Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, 37, but as the days of Noah were, so also the coming of the Son of Man will be. God is not surprised by these political, worldly, uh, the world turning away from his, it seems like they're turning away from Christianity. God is not surprised. That. That's nothing new under the sun. Uh, the spiritual battle is going on, and the enemy has, and that, truly is, is the leader of this world. He is always against Christ and his, his people. Um, but Marxism in particular, uh, it cheats people through a philosophy and an empty, uh, it's deceitful, it's a lie. Karl's Marxist system has led to horrific scenes throughout history. His own family and friends consider him to be possessed by a demon. And there was a point that he said, he said, my soul once true to God is chosen for hell. That was Karl Marx. He's as anti-God, anti-Christianity as anyone could be. To him, religion was the opium of the people. For communism to succeed, loyalty to the church had to be replaced by loyalty to the state. No longer are you loyal to the church or God. No, your loyalty is to the state, the government, 
the powerful people in control. He described the church, Karl Marx described the church as this medieval mildew which must be scraped away. More about Marx, it's not just anti-God, it's also Marxism is totalitarian. Totalitarian. Uh, the fascist uh, dictator Benito Mussolini, he said it this way, everything within the state, nothing outside the state, nothing against the state. You can kind of hear the, the cancel culture in there. Anyone that is against the state, the government, the way we're taking this nation, whatever nation it is, you get canceled. Rod Dreher, uh, I, I, there's this book. I have two other books. They're up here if you want to come look, but I, I'm going to quote some of them. Uh, Rod Dreher, uh, he wrote Live Not By Lies. Uh, it's a good read. I, I read it. And then Erwin Lut, Lutzer, Lutzer, I don't know how you say his name. Uh, we Will Not Be Silenced. Two good books on, this, on these topics. What's happening in the current day and how do we as conservative Christians mesh it. But in his book, Rod Dreher, he says this, Today's totalitarianism demands allegiance to a set of progressive beliefs, many of which are incompatible with logic and certainly with Christianity. Compliance is forced less by the state than by elites who form public opinion and by private corporations that, thanks to technology, control our lives far more than we would like to admit. Big tech. Remember in the last two years how much big tech is saying what you can and cannot say on their platforms? Guess who gets canceled on their platforms? Christians. It's not a surprise. Marxism is totalitarian. They have their plan, their agenda, and they push it. And to fight against it is not allowed. Marxism is also divisive. Uh, it, it thrives in division. Historically, Marxism uh, divides people based on classes of people. But, uh, and then I think it's We Will Not Be, no, it's in uh, Live Not By Lies. In one of these books, it talks about a, a Russian person that was exiled from Russia because they, they, they bucked the system. They were exiled into the United States, and then that same person is saying, I'm seeing some of those same signs start to come up in America. I just fled that, and now it's, it's following me. Uh, Marxism is divisive, but it's not really by classes of people in today's cultural Marxism. It's more by race, sexuality, gender. These are the issues, and if you buck the system, if they don't like what you or I or anyone that says, you are labeled a what today? Racist. Yeah, that's very like had nothing to do with race. Whatever I was talking about, had nothing to do with it, but I'm somehow a racist? I'm like, uh, that's their favorite thing. They love to call everyone and everything a racist because once you get labeled that, it's hard to get that off of your back. Nobody wants to be that. I don't want to be that. Whether or not your issue regards to that, if they disagree with your stance or whatever you're trying to take a stand for, you're a racist. That's tragic for many reasons. It can be hurtful to be branded a racist. It's just about impossible to get rid of. Uh, and if everything is racist, then actually nothing is racist. For all the racial uh, ad, uh, improvements that we've done through the years, I'll never get the images out of my mind in the last year or two and the, and, and the marching of the streets and the causes and the whatever and then the looting and then the what. I'm like, these are things you don't see in America, but we did. During a pandemic where you weren't supposed to not go out without masks on, it was very confusing. But if you go to that, you can, whatever, that's neither here nor there. 
Marxism is, it's deadly. At, uh, in 1999, the Black Book of Communism uh, tried to tabulate how many deaths have, been, have occurred since, uh, since it started. It was revealed 20 million deaths in the USSR, 65 million deaths in China, 1 million deaths in Vietnam, 2 million deaths in North Korea, 2 million deaths in Cambodia, 1 million in Eastern Europe, 150,000 in Latin America, and 1.7 million deaths in Ethiopia. I haven't done all that math, but if you do all that math, that is more than died in World War I and World War II combined. That's a lot of deaths. A lot of deaths that are in the way of this Marxism movement and in how it's going. So there is the pretty picture. And I'm suggesting to you that some of those signs are happening in, in America. We're going to see some of these things. What does it mean for us as a nation? What does it mean? Uh, how should we live our lives? Some of the signs we see. The first one you're going to see that we have seen recently is the destruction of monuments. You destroy the history of a nation. This nation was founded on Judeo, uh, on, on Christian principles. It was a democracy. It's a, a, based on capitalism, freedom, liberty. These are the things that defined and that our, our founders wanted it to be about. It wasn't about the unison of one particular party. It was a, a government by the people, for the people. And if you wanted to resist the government, you could do that. Do it in the right way, but it can be, could be done. Uh, but you, it, the destruction of monuments, it got crazy there in the last year or two. Um, and, uh, you know, George Washington monuments are being pulled down because he was a racist. Abraham Lincoln was a racist. Interesting. <laughs> uh, everything, we were just, you want to you stop, the Marxist movement wants to stop the history you don't want, cancel that history, and then just start anew wherever you want to start building on and you can rewrite, rechange what the nation's purpose is. And of course, part of that is getting involved in the literature, get involved in the history books, get involved what kids are taught, get involved. It's happening. No, they don't want us to remember where we came from. That's totally counter to God's word. God's word always wants us to remember where we came from. Throughout Israel's history, they're, they're building monuments. They wanted to remember, tell, your, tell your children, tell your children's children, tell the story. Uh, and, you know, we have the Bible that's going to remind us of the, 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 the work of God and how he's saving his people. The word remember is found 164 times in the Old Testament. Uh, he says, remember the former things of the old. And Isaiah, for I am God and there is none like me. Psalm 61.5, for you, O God, have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Biblical heroes are building monuments. Um, when God parted the waters of the Jordan, he said to Joshua, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. Psalm seventy-seven, eleven: Surely I will remember your wonders of old. But yet you, had these, you have these revisionist historians that are trying to change the children's textbooks, get rid of all biblical and Christian history, and rewrite the history that you want to suit your own secular socialist agendas. It's happening. It's happening. Destruction of monuments. I'm glad that Sol Ross, Sol Ross is at Texas A&M. They have a statue right in front of the academic building. It's one you put pennies on if you want to try to get an A on the next test. We're all into it. Aggies are a little cultish, but uh, if it works, I'll try it. Uh, it didn't always work for me, but 
I remember when the, you know, the movement of the tearing down all the statues and all the Confederates and all the whatever and cancel everything. So Ross was, was he, he survived that somehow. Um, the next thing you're going to see uh, in today in our world and in America, you're going to see cancel culture. And this happens throughout Marxism movements. Cancel culture starts. They want to read of, get rid of the history, stop the history, don't remember that, and start anew, start afresh. Um, Dreyer, in his book that I referenced, he said this, Today in our societies, dissenters uh, find their businesses, careers, and reputations destroyed. They are pushed out of the public square, stigmatized, canceled, and demonized as racist, sexist, homophobes, and the like. And they are afraid to resist because they are confident that no one will join them or defend them. That is happening in our society. Before we throw out the First Amendment, uh, let's maybe reflect on what the First Amendment actually says. It's good for all of us and politicians to know. Congress shall not make any law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. That's what our rights say. That's our First Amendment. That First Amendment is trying to be trampled on. Uh, yep. But not only that, you also see thirdly in this Marxist movements that are happening, you see the dismantling of the nuclear family. Families based on Judeo-Christian values, are, they, they obviously breed inequality. It's what Marx thought. Uh, Erwin Lutzer, in his book, he says, In Marxism, the family is perceived as a unit in which wives are suppressed by their husbands and children are suppressed by their parents. In the Marxism movement, there's the oppressors and the oppressees. If you're not sure which one you are, you're probably oppressed, one way or the other. Everyone's oppressed. God, when he created the nuclear family, it's, and you use the word submission, which is in the Bible, that wives should submit to their husband, but the verse before that, which I wrote my dissertation on, it says we're all supposed to submit to God, husband, wife, the whole family. Everyone's supposed to submit to somebody, and that's God. And then he goes on and kind of breaks it down. He says, yeah, wives, you should submit to your husband. But then he says to husbands, you should love your wives like Christ loved the church. Submit there, the word there is not, I'm a dictator, and I am, you know, bow down to me or whatever. No, it's a, it's a I submit your role. I see that God created you, and you have a, a, a spiritual role to lead the family, and I'm going to submit in that. I'm going to let you lead that way. Not that every husband does it right, but that was God's design. God created the family. He desired to create, uh, to create the nuclear family. He did it through Adam and Eve. Uh, when he wanted to reveal himself in the Old Testament, he spoke through, through Abraham's family. When he decided to take on human flesh, he joined a family through the virgin birth, Mary. Uh, but yet socialists, these agendas, they don't, they don't want the family to be strong. They want families to be weak. And the weaker the families are, then the more lenient they are on the government. The more lenient they are on the government, then it's more government power and the elites just, yeah. It's these Christian families that have these biblical standards that are the problem. They are in the way of the Marxist socialist agenda. But then fourth, you also see a redistribution of wealth and socialist movements. Uh, the idea teaches that all human assets should be claimed by the government and redistributed to the mass by a more equitable formula. Doesn't that sound great? I'm like, hey, you got $3 million. I need some of that, please. It's not like we're all playing Monopoly. It's just not that simple, okay? You don't go $200, go back to jail, pass go. Well, no, 
or you get part place, and I want that, you know. Uh, this idea, and if you are one of the people that think, I don't have enough money in this world, this, this idea sounds great. Well, let's just, even the, let's just level the playing field, and let's all have equal money. The problem is you have politicians, you have the elites that decide who has too much money, who has too little, too little money, and the poor get poorer, and the rich, well, they get poorer too, probably, but, and who gets richer are the elites, the people in power. They get richer. Um, so, the redistribution of wealth, it doesn't work. Capitalism is a much better way to go. Not perfect, but a better way to go. And God's word has says, you reap what you sow. There is an idea. Um, and in the last two years, you know, government stimulus packages, and we're printing so much money, we wonder why there's inflation now. Like, hmm, you devalue the dollar, you print so much of it, it it's, there's just too much of it out there. Um, but that's what big government wants. They want us being lenient on them, waiting for their, their checks to come, and, and I'm waiting for it, and, and while I'm waiting for it, I don't need to work, right? I'm just going to wait for the government. When you follow that line of thought, you're, you're helping their agenda. That's what they want. And we're created to work. God's word says we're created to work, and if you don't work, you don't eat. It actually is in, I can't know the exact scripture it is, but it's in there. God created us to work and make a living and provide for our families. We should do that. The last one is that you see in, in, our, in America is defunding the police. Remember all that? Defunding the police and the Minneapolis and all the things that happen, um, all the protests that happen. The scariest thing I see is we live in a day and age that I immediately judge because there's social media and there's videos and I can see the video. I don't have to wait for the law enforcement. I don't have to wait for the judicial system to determine what happened. I can determine myself based on this video who's wrong and if I'm not sure who did wrong, I have the news to help me. They'll tell me. Remember? Remember the, uh, man, I can't wait till this gets aired on the airways. But uh, uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. He shot another white person, and he was in one of the riots, and he was found not guilty for, say his name? Rittenhouse. Yeah, yeah, Rittenhouse. Remember when that story came out and the news just go, and they all do it. CNN, Fox News, they all do it. They start their their take of it, what they want us to think about it, they show the little video that really doesn't show much. Somebody got shot, I can't really tell. And it's racist, it's all these things, right? A year after the fact, his life's destroyed, pretty much. A year after the fact, the truth comes out, he was defending himself, right? The news story, the propaganda, the machine, the media machine was all wrong. And, how they, and is there an apology for that? No. And it takes a year or two, but we live in a culture in a day that says, I will determine, or the news will tell me, what I should think. Be careful if you're drinking the media's Kool-Aid. Many, many times, they're wrong. Not all Fox News are Republicans. Not all Republicans are doing everything we think they should. This is why we should vote in elections and things. Make sure you know what your candidates stand for, what they're doing uh, uh, nationally, but also your state elected officials, your judges that you put in, your school boards. Do we not think school boards are important anymore? We should, remember? Parents are finally getting more like, well, you're teaching my kid what? You're making my kid wear this mask? And, and now what do you see in these school board meetings? You see the elites saying, you cannot come up, you can't, you can't buck the system, right? This is happening everywhere we are. The defunding the police, uh, although now it seems like we're all for the police, it kind of changes, it, whatever fits wherever electoral uh, poll numbers we need, it changes. Um, Man, I'm saying all the good stuff tonight. Uh, 
Law enforcement is by God's design. We actually need law. There's no perfect law enforcement. And when there is wrongdoing, there needs to be punishment for wrongdoing. But many times, more times than not, it's not racially based, which is what the news wants to make it all sound like. If there is wrongdoing by law enforcement, the court system, whatever, needs to dish out the punishment for that. God ministered. Uh, God set up the law enforcement to, to, to minister to us for good, to give uh, to be an authority to help uh, keep order, and that's what it's there for. The cities that decided to defund law enforcement, uh, yeah, they're struggling in crime. Surprise. So, you see some of those signs, I think, and I think there's a case that we're seeing some of the Marxist, socialist stuff. Uh, there are some in, in, in the Senate, I'm, I'm not going to say the squad or whatever they are, uh, they got their socialist, they come out right outside and say they're a socialist. That's what they're about. We almost, uh, uh, Bernie Sanders, he, he'll come right out saying he's a socialist. We got people running and they almost make it because they say I'm a socialist. That's where we are in America. So that's exciting, Keith. Good job. I set the table really well. Pretty grim, pretty dark. Now let me say what the Bible says. The Lord Jesus Christ has gone into heaven, and it is at the right hand of God. Angels, authorities, and powers have been made subject to him. The Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 3.22 says, Christ is still on his throne. None of this surprises him, and God's plan is being worked out. Some things we should do in light of this issue and as it's spreading. First thing is review what the Bible says. We should be uh, students of the Bible. We should know God's word. We have to grasp what the Lord has to say about Marxist issues. Dr. Albert Moeller, that's the president of Southern Seminary, he summed it pretty well in this, and I didn't put all these scriptures in there, but I can give it to you later if you want. This is what he said. Scripture affirms the dignity of work, and every one of these he has a scripture reference. And the fact that those who refuse to work should not eat, the Bible clearly affirms private property and condemns theft and covetousness. Saving is good. Being thrifty is good. Having land ownership is good. Doing investments is good. They're all honored in Scripture, and the Bible teaches that the laborer is worthy of his wages. Socialism contradicts and subverts every one of those principles. Every one of them is counter to what the Bible says. The Bible views personal property as a right, and we should not steal from others. It tells us the family, not the government, should should provide primary care for uh, its family units. The, the Bible values industry and hard work. It warns against atheistic governmental systems in Romans 13, 1. Uh, so the Bible has a lot to say about these issues. Secondly, we should refuse to live by lies. We must remain true to what the truth is. And the truth seems like a moving target these days. <laughs> I just want someone, you know, maybe there was a day when the news actually just reported the facts and they don't give all their opinion and all their angle at whatever we're supposed to feel and know and do and just give me the facts of what happened and then let me determine what, you don't really get very many newscasters that do that today. It always is at an angle and most of it is lies. Proverbs twenty nine twelve says, if a ruler pays attention to lies, all his servants become wicked. A lot of our rulers are giving us lies. Um, after his expulsion from Russia uh, for writing a famous work, and I am not Russian, so I'm going to botch these pronunciations. 
Yeah, no, I, Alexander, I even wrote down the, how you say it, but I, Solzhenitsyn, there you go. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he published his final message, and he called it Live Not By Lies, which is what this book, Live Not By Lies, by Roger Ayer. He based his book off of this, this uh, Russian's book. Uh, he says that Christians have been called to refuse falsehood, even to accept or listen to what is false. Proverbs 12:22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, uh, Solomon wrote. He also said, he who works deceit shall not dwell within my house, echoed the psalmist. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. So much of what we hear in culture are lies. They have no connection to common sense, and uh, it's all feeling-driven, and we're supposed to have an agenda and push it. Um, we should reject the falsehood that is out there, is in our nation. But then third, we should resolve to follow Christ and not just admire him. Jesus said, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. When I was a kid, growing up a Christian, being involved in church, was a totally normal thing, the most normal thing you could do. Today's kids, and probably the kids of their kids, you go to church, and it's going to come at a price. It's going to cost you. You're going to have to take a stand on some things that the nation, the world says, is totally fine, and you're going to have to be countercultural. You can't kind of straddle the fence. You can't be lukewarm. But praise God, even through those times of persecution, the gospel of the church has has persevered, has pushed through, and many times has grown. When there's a cross to bear, uh, a price to be paid, some people do it, and those that are really sold out do it, and those that aren't, don't. I don't need to put up a certain face or look a certain way or go to a certain church to get socially accepted. No. Jesus said that there will be a cost of discipleship. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father or mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now that is some drastic talk from Jesus. Jesus said, I'm supposed to hate my mom and dad. I'm supposed to hate my kids. Some are like, yes, I do that already. No, he is making a comparison, a point, okay? He's saying there will be a cost to your discipleship. Following God, following Christ should be the utmost importance, and everything is below that. Not that we don't care about our family or our kids, but those have to be second level. Another thing we could, should do is rethink small groups. Small groups. Now, in these communist, socialistic countries where Christianity is pretty much getting outlawed, you have these underground churches and you have these you have these small communities that hide because if it ever is apparent that what they're doing, they could be thrown in jail or whatever. We are not there yet. But you need to have a community of believers that can encourage you. Um, if you're constantly feeding your mind, uh, it says, uh, I drew a blank, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I just talked on this yesterday and I drew a blank. Uh, hold on a second. I'm doing it. Memorize scripture. Memorize scripture. Romans 12, 1 and 2. If you, don't, if you want to go there, go there. That'd be crying. I'm going to get there eventually.
Maybe not today, but I will get there. Man, I wish I had a Bible that had all those little indention things, you know. Uh, what'd you say? I should know it. You're right. I beseech you. I know it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And then in verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to this world. And I challenge the guys at men's lunch. I'm like, what are, you fe- what, what, are you fe- what are you feeding your thought life about? What are you constantly thinking about? If you watch the news 24-7, you're going to be a crazy person. Nothing is really alert. It's like the same thing they just did 30 minutes ago. It's no alert, whatever. It's all the same. They're pushing their agenda. They're pushing their whatever. If you're constantly on this, I think Will said it's a distraction device. It's a good description of what this is. What does everyone do when they have a second in a line and they don't want to do anything else and they're waiting in a doctor's office? What are you doing? You're on this. By the way, if you use sound, you should have headphones, okay? Headphones. It's just rude to play your videos or you're clicking the things. Maybe you can't hear it. Other people can. If you're in a public place, have headphones. That had nothing to do with my lesson. All right. Um, there you go. That kind of, it just it irks me a little bit. Or put it to vibrate, guys. Put it to vibrate. All right. Anyhow, resist the ways of the world. We should uh, guard our minds and guard our thought life. Resist any way you can. Uh, Peter said this in Acts 5.29, we ought to obey God rather than man. Anytime the government tries to force us to violate our biblical beliefs, we have a responsibility to speak up. I am not up for a debate of whether we should have shut down churches or not. When that all began and the craziness and the whatever, and, and this is not about coronavirus and this is not about whatever, but I don't think the government had the right to shut down churches and tell us we had to shut down churches and go online. Once they do that once, they'll do that again. There will be another thing, and then there will be another thing. It's the beginning of something. And ever since the coronavirus, the pandemic, you see in countries, in our country included, government overreach. Mass mandates, vaccine mandates. You can't even take a cruise unless you give your jab to your kid. If you want to do the jab or don't want to do the jab, I don't want to do the jab. Sorry, you can't go on a cruise. I don't want to wear masks. You can't fly. This is, this is what we do. This is where we're living. Resist any way you can. Do it in the right way. But uh, there's other things. In graduations, for example, there was Elizabeth... Uh, Turnett, she worked hard on her valedictorian speech at Hillside, uh, Hillsdale High School in Hillsdale, Michigan. She, uh, she highlighted her faith and her speech and her love for Jesus and living for him. School officials removed all references to religion in her speech. But thankfully, after the outpouring of support from Christians all around the country and getting a lot of letters and a lot of phone calls and a lot of emails, the officials relented and promised that all future references to religion would be protected in speeches in the future. If we allow them to stamp out Christianity, they will do it. There are those that that is their number one agenda. That's the number one threat to what they really want, their ideology, their way of living. Or maybe I just want to live of the world. And Christians are in the way. But then last, remember I opened with Venezuela. It was once defined by freedom. It was opportunity, but now it's oppression It's barren, it's hopeless. This is what nations that go down that route, this is the fruit they reap. This is the fruit that comes from them.
It's the Marxism is among the worst ideas ever conceived, and we should be aware of its history, and uh, we should highlight its dangers and oppose the spread of it when we can. If elections is the only way you can, then oppose it with elections. Know what your politicians stand for, assuming we can still, our electoral college still works and we're not cheating the system. That's, eh, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical these days. You can sense it, okay? A little skeptical. With all this said, the best news, even with Marxism, globalism, socialism, all the isms, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 says, The government will be upon Christ's shoulder. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and justice from, from that time forever and ever. Our Lord will judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, whether sh- and neither shall they learn war anymore. Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus coming back. Jesus will come back. These are the signs of the things that are going to happen for him to then come back. When the 12 spies were they were exploring the promised land, two of them brought back a faithful report, remember, in Joshua, Joshua and Caleb. They came back, and, and Caleb is the one that said, And I brought Moses back a report according to my convictions. It's time for us to live by our convictions. The world around us, the nation we live in, the culture we live in, is against God and is against his people and is against his word. Really not new. It's been, it's been going on. We, we've kind of lived... In the last uh, maybe century, well, before the last decade or two, it was like, oh, we love Christ, we love God. Everyone, let's just sing Kumbaya, okay? Those days are, are over. It's getting, it seems to be getting darker. It seems to be getting more anti-Christ, anti-God. Um, I put some scriptures on the bottom. Don't look at the world. Don't be careful what you put in your mind. Um, Know that there are people totally against, there's Republicans, it's not just political. There are Republicans and Democrats against God. What? I thought all Republicans are Christians. Yeah, we, we, yeah, it's not that simple, guys. They have their, there's non-Christian Republicans and non-Christian Democrats, okay? That have their agendas, that have their platforms that they're pushing and that the way they want America to be and other nations to be. And globally, that we just unify all of our economies and all our global, and with this pandemic and future threats of the world, you see this new push of we need a world alliance. We need to all come together, right? Well, when that happens, be careful because <laughs> that's something that's supposed to predict it right before Christ comes back because when the Antichrist shows up, the whole world gets around this guy. Well, with social media and everything the way it is, it's not surprising. Any news that's that big that he's doing, it's going to be on your distraction device. We are heading, we are heading that direction quick. But I put scriptures to encourage you. Um, the other the next week is globalism. Then I'll talk about the pandemic. We'll all wear our masks to that session. I was joking. And then economic chaos. Um, I really am not trying to be political. But some Christians, we have put blinders over our eyes. And we just... We're just, you know, singing the sound of music, walking through green pastures, and everything's just great. There is hope because of we're Christ's followers, but there are some things in our world and our nation that we should be concerned about. And Christians need to take a stand, do it the right way. 
God has authority, whether it's police or government, and he puts them, and he gives them their power. And, and even nations, he determines when nations will rise and when nations will fall. I am not an American more than I am a Christian. Some people are. They're more American than they are Christian. That's a problem. Anything that's above Christ is called an idol. We don't have bales. We don't have golden calves. We don't have those things. But we got idols. We got idols. Don't put your head in the sand. And don't be a... uh, uh, insurrectionist, I love that word, they use that for everything that they don't, it's either racist or insurrectionist uh, or whatever, or you're a Trump supporter. That's, you know, that gets everybody else. Then. That gets everybody else. Now I've gone political. All right, well, um, I also don't think if Trump got elected that he's just going to make everything perfect again either. I, I don't put my hope in man, I put my hope in Christ. I do my duties and we should elect and, and vote and do those things and, and we should pray to God a lot. Instead of worrying about everything, don't be anxious about tomorrow, but uh, through prayer and petition, offer your request to God, right? When was the last time we prayed to God about the things that are threatening our country and our lives and our world? We want to worry about it. Well, what good does worrying do about it? That's nothing. <laughs> does nothing. Now I'm just rambling, so I'm going to be done. Um, socialism, I think there are signs that we are heading that direction. And uh, vote, vote for the people that are standing for the things you want to be stood for, which they're out there. But you better do your research. You better know who those candidates are. Um, and regardless of if your person gets, your man or woman gets elected into that position, ultimately our hope and our faith and our trust has to be in God. Because he has us here for a reason and he wants to spread his gospel. He wants to strengthen his church. He wants us to, to reach out to the lost that don't know him and give them hope. Because there's not a lot of hope without Christ. There's not. You're going to put your hope in government. You're going to put your hope in the economy. You're going to put your hope in Wall Street. You're going to put your hope in your retirement accounts. Those have gone way down in the last couple of months. God is in control. He's sovereign. And he made a way that his followers will one day, this is not, this is not our home. We're just pilgrims passing through. I'm going to try to honor God in this life, in this difficult life, but know that I have... Greater things I look forward to as I worship him forever and ever when he does return, which he will in his time. Let me close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person that is here tonight. And uh, I thank you, God, that you are sovereign, that you're at work. Personally, in our lives, that you, uh, you sent your son Jesus to die for, for our sins so that people might come to know you as Savior and Lord, put their faith and trust in you. But also as Christians in a, in a world that seems to be turning more and more away from you and your ways. I pray that we would be people of conviction. That we would stand and honor you in the, st- in the stances we take. We would do it honor- honorably. Um, where we need to take a stand that we would have the courage to do that. And where we don't and things that really just don't matter, we, we don't. But Father, we acknowledge that you are in, in work. You are in control. And may we be found faithful to serve you with our whole hearts and to give you uh, our whole lives and may we make the changes where we can make changes and that's in our family and our local church that we can be honorable citizens and and honor you in the relationships that you allow us to have in in working uh, in working in other relationships we have pray that we would honor you and that we would people that stand for conviction we give you all the glory in jesus christ's name i pray amen
Thank you. You're dismissed. I didn't go long enough. I should have gone till eight. <laughs>